Section 19 of the Underground Railroad, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria Casper. The Underground Railroad, Part 4, by William Still. Section 19. Arrival from Different Points. Jacob Brown, James Harris, Benjamin Piney, John Smith, Andrew Jackson, William Hughes, Wesley Williams, Rosanna Johnson, John Smallwood, and Henry Townsend. Jacob Brown was eating the bread of slavery in North Carolina. A namesake of his, by the name of Lewis Brown, living in Washington, according to the slave code of that city, had Jacob in fetters, and was exercising about the same control over him that he exercised over cattle and horses. While this might have been a pleasure for the master, it was painful for the slave. The usage which Jacob had ordinarily received made him anything but contented. At the age of twenty he resolved that he would run away if it cost him his life. This purpose was made known to a captain who was in the habit of bringing passengers from the south to Philadelphia. With an unwavering faith he took his appointed place in a private part of the vessel, and as fast as wind and tide would bring the boat he was wafted on his way Canada-ward. Jacob was a dark man and about full size, with hope large. James Harris escaped from Delaware. A white woman, Catherine Odine by name, living near Middletown, claimed James as her man. But James did not care to work for her on the unrequited labor system. He resolved to take the first train on the Underground Railroad that might pass that way. It was not a great while ere he was accommodated, and was brought safely to Philadelphia. The regular examination was made, and he passed creditably. He was described in the book as a man of yellow complexion, good-looking, and intelligent. After due assistance, he was regularly forwarded on to Canada. This was in the month of November, 1856. Afterwards, nothing more was heard of him until the receipt of the following letter from Professor L. D. Mansfield, showing that he had been reunited to his wife, under amusing as well as touching circumstances. Auburn, December 15th, 56. Dear Brother Still, A very pleasant circumstance has brought you to mind, and I am always happy to be reminded of you, and of the very agreeable though brief acquaintance which we made at Philadelphia two years since. Last Thursday evening, while at my weekly prayer meeting, our exercises were interrupted by the appearance of Brother Loguen of Syracuse, who had come on with Mrs. Harris in search of her husband, whom he had sent to my care three weeks before. I told Brother L. that no such man had been at my house, and I knew nothing of him. But I dismissed the meeting, and went with him immediately to the African church, where the colored brethren were holding a meeting. Brother L. looked through the door, and the first person whom he saw was Harris. He was called out, when Loguen said, in a rather reproving and excited tone, "'What are you doing here? Didn't I tell you to be off to Canada? Don't you know they are after you?' 
Come get your hat and come with us. We'll take care of you. The poor fellow was by this time thoroughly frightened and really thought he had been pursued. We conducted him nearly a mile to the hotel where his wife was waiting for him, leaving him still under the impression that he was pursued and that we were conducting him to a place of safety or were going to box him up to send him to Canada. Brother L. opened the door of the parlor and introduced him, but he was so frightened that he did not know his wife at first until she called him James, when they had a very joyful meeting. She is now a servant in my family, and he has work, and doing well, and boards with her. We shall do all we can for them, and teach them to read and write, and endeavor to place them in a condition to take care of themselves. Loguen had a fine meeting in my tabernacle last night, and made a good collection for the cause of the fugitives. I should be happy to hear from you and your kind family, to whom remember me very cordially. Believe me ever truly yours, L.D. Mansfield. Mr. and Mrs. Harris wish to be gratefully remembered to you and yours. Benjamin Piney reported that he came from Baltimore County, Maryland, where he had been held in subjection to Mary Hawkins. He alleged that he had very serious cause for grievance, that she had ill-treated him for a long time, and had of late threatened to sell him to Georgia. His brothers and sisters had all been sold, but he meant not to be if he could help himself. The sufferings that he had been called upon to endure had opened his eyes, and he stood still to wait for the Underground Railroad car, as he anxiously wished to travel north with all possible speed. He waited but a little while ere he was on the road, under difficulties, it is true, but he arrived safely and was joyfully received. He imagined his mistress in a fit of perplexity, such as he might enjoy could he peep at her from Canada or some safe place. He, however, did not wish her any evil, but he was very decided that he did not want any more to do with her. Benjamin was twenty years of age, dark complexion, size ordinary, mental capacity good considering opportunities. John Smith was a yellow boy, nineteen years of age, stout build, with marked intelligence. He held Dr. Abraham Street responsible for treating him as a slave. The doctor lived at Marshall District, Harford County, Maryland. John frankly confessed, to the credit of the doctor, that he got a plenty to eat, drink, and wear. Yet he declared that he was not willing to remain a slave. He had higher aims. He wanted to be above that condition. I left, said he, because I wanted to see the country. If he had kept me in a hogshead of sugar, I wouldn't stayed, said the bright-minded slave youth. They told me anything, told me to obey my master, but I didn't mind that. I am going off to see the scriptures, said John. Andrew Jackson took out from near Cecil, Delaware, where he had been owned by a man calling himself Thomas Palmer, who owned seven or eight others. His manners were by no means agreeable to Andrew. He was quite too blustery and was dangerous when in one of his fits. Although Andrew was but twenty-three years of age, he thought that Palmer had already had much more of his valuable services than he was entitled to, and he determined that if he, the master, ever attempted to capture him, he would make him remember him the longest day he lived. William Hughes was an eastern shore piece of property belonging to Daniel Cox. 
William had seen much of the dark doings of slavery, and his mind had been thoroughly set against the system. True, he had been but twenty-two years under the heel of his master, but that was sufficient. Wesley Williams, on his arrival from Warwick, Maryland, testified that he had been in the hands of a man known by the name of Jack Jones, from whom he had received almost daily floggings and scanty food. Jones was his so-called owner. These continual scourgings stirred the spirit of freedom in Wesley, to that degree that he was compelled to escape for his life. He left his mother, a free woman, and one sister in slavery. Rosanna Johnson, alias Catherine Beige. The spot that Rosanna looked upon with most dread, and where she had suffered as a slave, under a man called Dr. Street, was near the Rock of Deer Creek in Harford County, Maryland. In the darkness in which slavery ordinarily kept the fettered and free niggers, it was a considerable length of time, ere Rosanna saw how barbarously she and her race were being wronged and ground down, driven to do unrequited labor, deprived of an education, obliged to receive the cuffs, kicks, and curses of old or young who might happen to claim a title to them. But when she did see her true condition, she was not content until she found herself on the Underground Railroad. Rosanna was about thirty years of age, of a dark color, medium stature, and intelligent. She left two brothers and her father behind. The committee forwarded her on north. From Albany, Rose wrote back to inquire after particular friends, and to thank those who had aided her, as follows. Albany, January the 30th, 1858. Mrs. William Still, I sit down to write you a few lines in saying, Have you heard of John Smith or Benjamin Pina? I have sent letters to them, but I have no word from them. John Smith was owned by Dr. Abe Street, Benjamin owned by Mary Hawkins. I wish to know if you know, and if you will let me know as soon as you get this. My love to Miss Still. I am much obliged for those articles. My love to Mrs. George, and very thankful to her. Roseanne Johnson, owned by Dr. Street. When you send the letter, write it, send it, 63 Grand Street, in the care of Andrew Cunningham. Write soon, delay it not. Write my name, Catherine Bryce. Let me know, soon as you can. Smallwood reported that he came from Ellicott's Mills, Maryland, that he had been restrained of his liberty all his life by one Samuel Simons, who had treated him bad all the time that he had held him in his possession. He had therefore persuaded himself that Ellicott's Mills was a poor neighborhood for a colored man who wanted his freedom, and that all Maryland was no better. He had heard but little of Canada, but what he had heard pleased him. As to how he should get there, he knew not. A whisper pointed him to the Underground Railroad, and told him to be fearless and take the first train. Sam considered the matter carefully, and concluded that that would be the only way to get off. Unfortunately, his mother and two brothers were left behind in the hands of Simons. Henry Townsend ran away from Caroline County, near Purnell Post Office, Maryland. 
the name of his reputed owner according to his statement was e townsend a farmer against him henry harbored a very heavy grudge and will long hold said townsend in remembrance for the injury he had received at his hands on his naked back the back was shown and a most frightful picture was presented it had been thoroughly cut in all directions henry was about twenty-one years of age dark chestnut color build substantial he left behind two brothers and one sister in slavery the committee comforted him with the usual hospitality these passengers arrived the latter part of eighteen fifty six and the beginning of eighteen fifty seven. End of section nineteen.